0: As we continue making application to our upcoming 40th anniversary as a church in our series entitled Crossing Into Canaan, last week we considered the need for those who will stand firm in the river, those who have the presence of God upon their life, those who will make a way for one more to pass over, one more to pass over from death unto life, or to pass over into victory. We need some Christians with the presence of God upon them to stand in the obstacle that's in the way of the sinner, in the way of the one trying to cross over. This is why we do what we do for God. This is why we have the ministries we have. This is why we give altar calls still. This is why we do what we do, because we want people to pass over from one side to the other. that's what it's about. If it's not about souls, then what are we doing? So in Joshua chapter 4, we'll leave chapter 3 behind tonight and we'll read verses 1 through 9, and then we'll drop down and read verses 20 through 24. And so the Bible says in Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you out hence of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Now in verse 20. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask, shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? And ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. And so as we've been going through this in the book of Joshua, we've considered the obstacle. God said, I want you to go over, and immediately they were faced with an insurmountable, impassable obstacle. We've considered the need for us to go into the obstacle with the presence of God upon us. And we've considered why we need to stand firm in the midst of the obstacle. And tonight, we see the need for memorials from within the obstacle to display after we've passed over through the obstacle. The Lord commanded Joshua to take one man out of each of the 12 tribes, to take 12 stones out of the Jordan River where the priest's feet stood firm who carried the Ark of the Covenant, And they were to carry those stones over to the west side of the river where they crossed over. We see in verse 9 that Joshua set up the 12 stones, um, that he set up 12 different stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground. And just think about that for a minute standing firm on dry ground. I don't know if anybody's ever been somewhere where there's like this brackish kind of water and there's a tide, and when it goes out, it's just real mucky, you know, and you... And you just can't even walk through the thing. And um, you'll appreciate this, brother. I remember when I was stationed in Keesler, the very first time I was stationed there, brand new to the military, and uh, we we rented a skiff. We went out to the back bay there at Keesler, and... And we were just playing around, and I decided it'd be kind of cool since it's the ocean to dive in headfirst. Well, that's like the dumbest thing you can do in the back bay of Mississippi because it's like four feet deep. I didn't know that. It's a true story. I mean, I just ran off that thing, and I jumped, buddy. I was going headfirst. And, and it's like I was like a lawn dart and just... <laughs> and there my feet are just sticking up. And I'm just covered in this muck... You know what I'm talking about? Don't ever do that. No diving allowed is what they should have put all over the place. And so anyway, the priests, they're bearing this heavy ark, and their feet are standing firm, and they're not even sinking. There was water just there, and yet it's dry ground. That's a miracle, amen. They stood firm. They, They didn't just cross over, but they crossed over on dry ground. And and as I was studying for this, I wondered, why did Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of Jordan? And I don't have a good answer for you. I'm sure somebody does. But uh, he wasn't commanded to do it. There's many opinions as to why he did. I don't think any of them could be verified. Some think the stones... So are, are you with me here? I'm kind of just assuming you understand where I'm at. They took 12 stones out, but then he also took 12 stones in the middle of Jordan and made a a monument there, okay. And so uh, some think the stones there would have been big enough that when the river would recede down to its normal level, perhaps it would stick up high enough that maybe you could see part of it. Or at a minimum, they would cause some kind of a ripple there where the rocks were, and maybe you could see that and hear that. Uh, Some say the river would have been clear enough when it's at its normal level, that you could see that monument from the shore. I don't know. I came across some interesting theories. Uh, some have suggested that this was the place where Elijah and then right after that, Elisha parted, took the mantle, smote the waters, parted the Jordan, and went over there on dry ground, that this would have been the same spot. Again, just some theories that are out there. Some have even suggested that when John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him, and uh, anyway, he kind of upbraided them, you know that, but he, he pointed to some stones apparently, and he said God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so uh, some people believe that he was pointing to those 12 stones. That's all just interesting opinion, that's all it is. Just interesting opinion. And I hate that I get to studying these things that really matter not. Whatever the reason, Joshua set up these 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan River where the priest's feet stood firm to memorialize the place where God's presence uh, stayed and the waters went up upon a heap. And, And just to commemorate the place where God did something great for the children of Israel. And as interesting as it is, Joshua did this. I want to focus on the 12 stones that were taken out of the river and set up on dry ground. That's something God did command them to do. These 12 stones, one to represent every tribe, were taken from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And these 12 stones, the Bible says as we read, they would be for a sign and a memorial uh, among the people of Israel. Now, I want you to get this. The sign of God's miracle would be taken out of the midst of the obstacle. This great memorial, this picture, this reminder of what God did, God's strength, God's power, it came out of the very thing that was separating them from Canaan land, from God's best. And and the reason I bring this up is because of what we've been talking about, that a lot of people would look at something like that and say, it must not be God's will. There's no way for us to get across. Uh, People would look at that and just say, "Uh, it's insurmountable. But, But understand tonight that the place that looked like it was insurmountable during that time of the year is the exact place where that memorial came from. Isn't that amazing? I wonder how many will never get a memorial because they were too afraid to step forward in faith into the obstacle. I wonder how many miracles tonight are still lying on the bottom of the riverbed because we just won't go forward with the presence of God and dip our feet into the water. And for those who won't even do that, you'll never even cross over because that was the requirement to even get to that place. You're not going to get many godly memorials, if any, by doing nothing. You definitely won't get these kind of memorials when you refuse to enter into God's best through the obstacle. Just consider the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They didn't want God's best, so they refused to cross over because they were content with wilderness living. But where's their memorial? They don't have one. The memorial went on the west side. In in fact, if you'll read chapter 22, you'll find that after the wars of Canaan, when the two and a half tribes went back to the east side, they got to thinking what do we have? And they had nothing. And so what they decided to do was we need to build ourselves an altar. And it almost caused a civil war. Because the nine and a half tribes went over there and they were ready to kill them. And it was all because back there before they never wanted to cross over and have part with what God originally had for them. And I'm just simply saying this. You can try to build your own memorial all you want. But the only ones that are going to last and the only ones that are really going to make a difference in your life and in the lives of others are those that God said, pick those up out of the midst of your obstacle and go set them up for others to see. Are you with me? God wants us to have some memorials, but you can't get them until you learn to walk by faith. The memorial is there. You can't see it yet because it's in the midst of the river. Somewhere in that thing, there lies a memorial to bring out to show everyone the experience that you went through and what God has done for you and for people to look at and inquire at. And we see when God does a work among His people, He attends for that memorial to be talked about for many years to come. In Joshua there, chapter 4, verse 6, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? And then verse 21, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? And so in time to come, as children would be born, this memorial was to testify of God's greatness. And so we understand when our children ask about our memorials, We are to instruct them, right? But I see something here that seems to be implied in order for this to happen. These stones would be set up in Gilgal. But the land of Canaan was quite large. In fact, if I have my math right, which is dangerous to even try to suggest, that part of the land, the land of Canaan... Would have been about the size of New Jersey. Not the entire promised land, but just that section of Canaan. But how much space do you reckon 12 stones took up? 12 stones that a man could carry upon his shoulder. Not very much space. I mean, we're talking less than a four way stop in all of New Jersey. How likely were the children of Israel to ever see these 12 memorial stones if their parents didn't make the point to take them? How would the children ask in time to come what mean these stones if they never saw them in the first place? There would have to be an effort made to take their children to the memorial and then educate them about it. Sometimes we just think that our children will magically understand all of what this is about and to some extent they get it but really they just get the routine they get the culture of why mom and dad go to church but do they really understand the heart of why mom and dad go to church and sometimes we just get this idea that as long as we get them in church they're just going to understand what God has done in our life Some get the idea that so long as they make their children remain faithful while they're growing up in the home, their children will turn into these strong Christians. But it doesn't work that way. You see, it has to be real in the home. There has to be effort made at the house. I would even say there needs to be some trips with spiritual purposes. When we go to Georgia, we drive around to some of the old areas and we talk to our kids about what God did in our life back then. And we drive by the place and say that's where we made a covenant before God that we would stay married, so on and so forth. And I can tell you, out of those who just assumed that making their children go to church would make everything turn out right in their Christian life, a lot of them had dropped out. Listen, it's hard enough doing it right. And a large observable reason is that a walk with God wasn't real away from the church house. There were no memorials along the way to show to their children in which they could tell their children of God's greatness. no holy ground. But you really do need some things along the way to be able to point to. You need some things that you can point to to your family and your kids and say, this is when God did this in my life. And this is when God did that. Some just assume that somehow our children will learn how God has made all of this possible for our church to remain for 40 years. How are they going to know if we don't take the time to tell them about the memorials along the way? What if we don't take the time to tell our children what God hath wrought among us? Listen, this church has been around for 40 years. That's longer than I've been, al- almost longer than I've been alive. How old am I? That's right, you're older than me. I'm 42. <laughs> Do we take the time to explain to people what God hath wrought? Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all the people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I just want to tell you, when God does a work in your heart, you're going to want to tell people about it. (laughs) You're going to want to tell others what God has done on your behalf, how great His wonders are. In short, I would say it this way, you'll want to brag on God. We'll want to make the effort and not just assume that others know what God has done or just assume that others know what God is able to do. In Psalm 66, verses 5 and 6, it says, Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in His doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in Him. And then in verse 16 of that same psalm, it says, Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3 say, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then say they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. When God has done great things for you, you're going to be glad about it and you'll want others to know about it. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Some Christians are sadly prone to look on the dark side of everything and to dwell more upon what they have gone through than upon what God has done for them. Ask for their impression of the Christian life and they will describe their continual conflicts, their deep afflictions, their sad adversities, and the sinfulness of their hearts. Yet, with scarcely any allusion to the mercy and help which God has bestowed upon them. But a Christian whose soul is in a healthy state will come forward joyously and say, I will speak not about myself, but to the honor of my God. He hath brought me up out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. The Lord hath done great things for me, whereof I am glad. When someone makes a profession of faith, they shouldn't need to have their arm twisted to get up before the church and say what God has done for them. Amen. Because if you're not going to get up in front of church folks and say that God has saved you, are you going to go out and tell the lost? I remember after I was born again, Jekyll Island, Georgia, and we took the van ride back and well I can I can actually back up there. I remember the next day they asked a crowd of about 3,000 people, how many of you gave your heart to Christ last night? And I remember I was the first one to stand up. And I got back to Hollydale Baptist Church. It wasn't my home church. We went to Hill Street. But Hollydale was the one that took me. And I stood up before Hollydale Baptist Church, and I remember telling them I had gotten saved. When God does something in your heart, you should want to tell other people. By the time the thrill wears off, and your children are born, you better resurrect that fire about your salvation experience because you need to tell them about it. They need to hear the miracle God has wrought in your life. And we should just pull them up next to us and say, come near and hear. See the works of God. Take them back to that place if you can. When Israel came out of captivity, it was so miraculous that even the heathen We're talking about how good God was. That's true also when they came out of Egypt, not just out of the Babylonian captivity. And remember, because when they came out of Egypt, God parted the Red Sea. Forty years later, they get to Rahab, and she's like, our hearts melted when we heard what happened 40 years ago. Because when God starts to do a great work, even the heathen will take notice. What a testimony when even the lost can testify of God's greatness. And I wonder if the heathen around you can even tell if you've ever been brought out of sin's captivity. Do you live so they can tell that there's been a difference, that God has made a work in your life? Do you talk to them about the memorial? Brother Foley finally took some much-needed time off, and uh, so I can talk about him behind his back. And uh, I remember we were driving somewhere, he was taking me fishing, and um, we were talking about his salvation experience, and it was such a transformation that people that knew him before couldn't believe it was the same person. Now, I know all of us didn't live that way, so understand what I'm saying, but there, there ought to be something that the heathen look at and go, man, I don't know what he got, but he got something. Something. Do you talk to the lost about your memorials? Now, our church is on the brink of surpassing 40 years as a church. That doesn't happen without passing through some obstacles. We need to talk about that. We need to brag on God when it comes to our church. Israel was to take their children by these stones so the children could ask, What mean these stones? to which the fathers would be able to reply to their children in verse 7, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And then verses 22 and 23, Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over. You see, we have to speak so that others can hear. But especially to our children. Don't just assume that because you bring them to church, because you drop them off at a Christian school, that somehow they're going to understand it all. There's nothing like the instruction of a father. That's who God is putting the primary responsibility on in our text doesn't say when the children shall ask their mothers when the children shall ask their fathers and we need some strong men today not ashamed of god that will look at their children and say you need god's best for your life we need to speak up to our children And and we need to be able to show them some memorials that we got out of some obstacles in life. Not for bragging on our sake, but so that we can talk about how great our God is, that He was able to bring us through that thing. And here's some proof that I have. When's the last time you bragged on God to your family? When's the last time you bragged on God to your coworkers? When's the last time you bragged on God in our community about our church? Surpassing 40 years. Are you even inviting people to our celebration? God has sustained us as a church for 40 years. Now I know where I come from. That doesn't sound like a big deal. But that's a big deal out here. We need to be talking about how good God's been. If you're in Christ, then you have a story to tell. You have something to brag on God about. And I would just throw this in. If you have stories of how God has blessed our church over these 40 years, I'd like to know about those stories. In fact, if you want to give a testimony during anniversary days, you come and let me know. Let's brag on God for what He has done. I know we just didn't magically show up In 2019, there were some obstacles along the way. But God evidently has brought us through all those. In closing, why do we want memorials of God's greatness? Look at verse 24. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Forever. Why do we want memorials of God's greatness? It's for the lost and it's for the saved. We want the earth to know that God exists and that He acts mightily on behalf of His people. But I want you to notice not only is it for the lost, but it's also for His children to remember to fear God all the days of our life and to remember that it's all God's doing Wouldn't it be nice if we had a miracle happen at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle so great that even the heathen around us would say, man, their God must be great. A miracle so great that we could keep fearing Him. A miracle so great that we would always trust Him. A miracle that we can look back on and say, that's why I keep going forward for God. That's why I keep trusting God. That's why I still fear God. Because back there when we needed to cross over, God stood the waters up upon a heap and He made a way for us to cross over on dry ground, something we could have never done. That's why I do what I do. That's why I have these memorials. Many of us have memorials of animals we took in hunting. That's great. Glad you can pull the trigger. But where's the memorials of what God's doing in your life? I almost hate to say this, and I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble for it. But go over to Brother Furz's house sometime and just look in their living room. He's got some heads on the wall. But man, there's all kinds of stuff. You just start asking, what's that from? What's that from? What's that? Oh, that's when God sent me over here in Alaska. And that's when God sent me over here in the Philippines. And that's when. God... Memorials. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not against the other stuff. Just make sure you got some stuff that you can point to and say, look what God has done throughout my life. Do you have any memorials which testify as a sign of God's greatness on your behalf? Are you willing to walk into the obstacle in order to get that miracle? You'll have to walk by faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight because you first loved us. We thank You for Your Word. And God, we know, we understand the importance of having experiences in our life that have increased our faith, increased our trust in You, that we can point to, that we can talk about, that we can sit our family down and say, this is how God has worked in my life. God, if there's any here tonight that don't have any memorials, or maybe they're not talking to their family about it. May this be the night that they would leave out of here determined to get some memorials by walking by faith, trusting You, and to start sitting down with family, coworkers, friends in the community and testify of how great a God You are. That the whole earth may know that there's a God in heaven and that we may fear before You continually. So God, help us tonight just to examine our lives. I ask you for Christ's sake, amen.